Welcome back to the Gulag, everybody. This is episode number 19. Um, I'm going through Jordan Peterson's book, Beyond Order. Again, if you have not picked up that book yet, do it right now. Pause the podcast. Go to Audible. Go to whatever freaking website that you get books at if you even do that. And if you don't find one and go buy it, it's an amazing book. You'll learn a lot. I've learned a lot. Go buy his other books. Watch his lectures on YouTube. It's incredible. This guy is smarter than, you know, I mean, I would say he's smarter than people give him credit for, but people give him a lot of credit. So I guess that's not necessarily true, but he's, these books are amazing. Go read it. And I have to say this, this is YouTube. This is part of the gig now. I guess I got to do this, but if you're watching this, subscribe, like, share, comment, do whatever you got to do. If this is helpful information for you, share it with your friends, whatever, anything helps. If you would like to support this podcast, go to anchor.fm slash gulagpod slash support. I think I got that wrong in my last episode, so this is the right one. I made sure I got it right. Gulag.fm or gulag.fm. Anchor.fm slash gulagpod slash support. If you feel so inclined, I don't want to do sponsors again. I want to keep this podcast as organic as possible, getting donations from people that actually are benefiting from it not from some website that I don't give a crap about, but that lets me host maybe their podcast on their platform. Anyways, getting right into it. What I'm going to talk about in this episode is something that Jordan Peterson talks about a lot. If you watch his, if you watch his lectures, his YouTube videos, if you watch or read his books, he talks about this a lot. But this is such an important concept and one I cannot go further down the rabbit hole of this book unless I properly address. And that is the idea of responsibility. What is responsibility? What does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? What does that mean for society? What does that do for society if we apply that? The idea of bettering yourself, being the change that you want to see in the world, that cliche quote, that's what this is about. I'm going to go through this with you guys. So starting off, a responsible person seeks to make problems theirs. Of course, starting with their own problems. One could argue that's kind of the entire idea of responsibility, right? And then works to diligently solve those problems by becoming competent and able enough to do so. This is the fundamental idea behind things like a chain of command or authority, a hierarchy. So you hear those terms thrown around a lot by Jordan Peterson. I'm kind of going to essentially in this episode walk through what those terms mean. Because if you read his books, one of the most important things is to understand what these terms mean. Not only if you just read his books, but just in general, because these are so important to grasp and understand if you actually want to progress in life, get better, achieve what you want. That's what this is about. And in turn, help others. We often are berated, on the contrary, we often are berated with a philosophy, both in politics and in culture as of late, that I've seen, I'm sure you guys have too, that seeks to undermine the idea of a hierarchy altogether, claiming any system that manifests a chain of command, of authority, of someone having or be or being more than another is proof of some injustice or unfairness in the world, within the entire system itself. The systemic problems, right? But what that sort of philosophy does is demonize those who can and as a result should solve real problems. Real life problems, real world, real real world problems. That's a tongue twister, like those we see within our current government or cultural institutions at large. We need competent people, folks. 
We need people able and willing to solve problems. We shouldn't demonize and denigrate those who can, which this philosophy that if there's any sort of inequalities or any sort of hierarchy altogether, then that's a result of the tyrannical patriarch and we should destroy it altogether. All you're doing is demonizing those who could actually maybe solve those problems that you're talking about. While claiming all systems of authority are predicated on power, as the ever-increasing number of leftist ideologues in power proclaim, like the postmodernists and Marxists that I've talked about in previous episodes, proclaiming that any system of authority predicated on power, or all systems of authority, sorry, predicated are predicated on power, all this does is leave the door wide open for a system predicated on power and power alone, ironically on their part. On one ran by those who did not merit said power and as a result should not have it whatsoever, denigrating the creative achievements of others, both individually and systemically, squashes the best chance we have at actually solving real-world problems, as I just said. It's all about bringing it back down to the level of the individual, the responsibility we need to take on, making problems our own, and that starts with our own problems, if we want to get anything done. And actually have a society that works and that's prosperous. Denigrating those who would do so as tyrants does the exact opposite. That's what the radical left is doing. That's what organizations like Black Lives Matter, as I mentioned over and over again in this podcast, do. And the reason I mention them is because they're just an indication. They're a mirror to society of what we're becoming if we continue down this path of denigrating creative achievements of ambition, of responsibility. I'm going to read some quotes from Jordan Peterson here from the book just to show you guys how awesome his writing is. And this is exactly what I'm talking about. Here we go. Peterson says, it is a good thing to be in authority. People are fragile. And because of that, suffering is common. Relieving that suffering, like, for example, ensuring people have food, clean water, sanitation, and a place to take shelter for starters, takes initiative, effort, and ability. If there's a problem that needs to be solved and many people involve themselves in the solution, then a hierarchy must and will arise and those who can do and those who cannot follow as best they can often learning to become competent as well in the process. If the problem is real, then the people who are best at solving the problem at hand should rise to the top, should be at the top. That is not power is the earned authority that properly accompanies ability. I'm going to say that phrase again. It is the earned ability, the earned authority that properly accompanies ability. Now, it is self-evidently important to grant power to competent authorities if they are solving necessary problems, and it is equally appropriate to strive to be one of those competent authorities if possible when there are perpetuating problems at hand. I think that's pretty obvious, right? If there's problems at hand, you need good, competent people that can solve them. This might be regarded as the philosophy of responsibility itself. Pearson goes on to say about this type of strive for competence through the vehicle of responsibility. You could call this ambition, right? Ambition is often and often purposely misidentified with the desire for power. And side note there, I think that the people that would often purposely misidentify ambition, this type of ambition for power, are people that really just want power and unearned power themselves. Peterson goes on to say, and damned with faint praises and denigrated and punished. And ambition is sometimes exactly that wish for unearned influence on others, like I just said. 
but there is a crucial difference between sometimes and always. Authority is not mere power, and it is extremely unhelpful, even dangerous to confuse the two. When people exert power over others, they compel them forcefully. That's the difference, right? They apply the threat of privation and or punishment, so their subordinates have little choice but to act in a manner contrary to their personal needs, desires, and values. When people wield authority by contrast, they do so because of their competence, a competence that is spontaneously recognized and appreciated by others and generally followed willingly with a certain relief, with the sense that justice is being served. Those who are power-hungry, tyrannical, and cruel, even psychopathic, desire control over others so that every selfish whim of hedonism, hedonism meaning this just desire for total pleasure and instant gratification, can be immediately gratified. So that envy can destroy its target, so that resentment can find its expression. But good people are ambitious, diligent, honest, and focused because they desire to solve genuine and serious problems. That variant of ambition needs to be encouraged in every possible manner, not diminished. He later goes on to say, power may accompany authority and perhaps it must. However, the more important genuine authority constrains the authority, the arbitrary exercise of power. The more important genuine authority, the legitimate legitimate authority constrains the arbitrary exercise of power. And they do that for the good of people, right? Think of like a good boss, a good teacher, uh, a social leader like MLK or whoever it might be, whoever you look up to, etc. Those who have earned the respect do and therefore have authority granted to them. They've done so without tyrannical power, without tyrannically imposing said authority on those beneath them. That's why they're respected. That's why they're not fearfully followed. And those who are fearfully followed, that might be a red flag that maybe they don't actually deserve or have merited the position of authority that they hold. Dr. Peterson says this, and I, lo- I absolutely love this quote, kind of sums it all up. He says, there's almost nothing worse than treating someone striving for competence as a tyrant in training. There is almost nothing worse than treating someone striving for competence as a tyrant in training. How often do we see that in our political system, in our social system, in our culture, in our society today? They treat people who want to better themselves, who want to strive for something, who want to set a just inequality in the world, you could say, as oppressors, people who make something of themselves. How often do we see this in history? Like I talked about with the Kulaks in Russia, like the Hans in China. Go down the list. I think it goes without saying that those who would wish to denigrate this type of creative achievement, this ambitious strive for competence, would only do so because they want power like the Soviets did with the Kulaks, like you see a lot of political figures in the United States and the West doing today. And they want power that they are not worthy of. Thus, the only chance they have, because they're not worthy of it, because they don't have the skills and ability to actually attain the power genuinely, the only chance they have at attaining said power then is by demonizing those who are worthy of it. And this is exi- this is an old political tactic that people use. This is why politicians character bash each other instead of actually sit and debate whether their ideas are better. This is what they're doing. They're trying to achieve unearned power. This is, in short, what tyrants do at any level. 
what tyrants in the home do, what tyrannical parents do, what tyrannical teachers do, administrators, bosses, managers. This is what they do. This is the ultimate, this is how ultimate corruption begins at the most fundamental level. This is why I believe in history, again, manifest this the communists, the Marxists, the socialists, the postmodernists, those who seek to collectivize the ownership and achievements of individuals and authoritarians on any side of the spectrum really today seek to delegitimize strong, capable, abled men in particular. I think that's important to note. They go after strong, abled, capable men in particular, specifically. You see this, of course, under the clever guise of air quotes, feminism, and the destruction of the, quote, alleged patriarchy that squashes those beneath it. So they try to do. Why? Because strong, capable, competent men who seek to solve problems both at home first, which is important to note, and then as a result in society at large, who seek to stand up for the individual sovereignty of everyone, including themselves and their neighbors and their family, who seek to actually solve problems politically and economically for those, for the good of their communities, not those politicians that earn a living off of there being problems. Therefore, they're probably not really interested in solving the problems because then they wouldn't have a job. Not them, but those who unapologetically say what they believe in in turn are a voice for those who feel like they cannot. Those are the biggest threat to the kind of power-hungry tyrants that Peterson warns us about. And what we see... And... Sorry... <clears throat> and what we see the for one ex- of many examples, like I mentioned, the, the radical feminists doing so today is not stand for the rights of women, but demonize all men. It's like the socialists who they're not standing up for the poor. They're just hating the rich. As George Orwell talks about in Road to Wigan Pier, that's kind of the whole idea of it. He was right. Same concept. Of course, then these same types of These same types complain about the ongoing evil that does arise, all while propping the door open for tyrants to storm through by denigrating true ambition, calling it patriarchy, patriarchal tyranny, etc. They bash those down who would best serve in fighting tyrants while constantly complaining about tyranny. And I, for one, am not, and I'm I'm convinced that these types of ideal ideological radicals, you could say. They're really just tyrants. They're tyrant-minded people. They're resentment-filled people. They just want the power, the unearned power themselves. That's why they're going to denigrate these types of individuals, specifically in this example, men, who would happen to be the best equipped at fighting tyrants, at being protectors of society, because they just want the unearned power themselves. Don't fall for it. Don't fall for the clever rhetoric and language that's dressed up nicely to sound like it's compassion for the weak and the disenfranchised. It's not. It's a power game. Again, these postmodernists, all they believe in is power. They tell you that right off the gate. So what else would their motive be? They trap themselves, paradoxically. No individual, no family, no social institution, no culture, no community, no nation will stand without the creative and ambition, ambitious and achievements of those who seek to make problems their own. So when those in power like today, like you could say those currently in the White House, say otherwise, don't listen to them. And that starts with bringing that truth down to yourself. Do what you can to make 
to take on as much responsibility as manageable as possible. Why? So you can not only better serve your own inevitable faults and meet with life sufferings, which is bound to happen because that's what a lot of life is, but also so you can most effectively do so for others. This is what makes a good employee, a good manager, a good sibling, a good parent, a good citizen. Go down the list. Victimizing yourself even among the obvious oppression that every single person faces. Everybody is oppressed at some level. Whether you're black, whether you're white, whether you're a man, whether you're a woman, whether you're gay, whether you're straight, whether you're an American, whether you're from Nicaragua, doesn't matter. Everybody's oppressed at some level. There's a famous quote. I forget who it's by. It's kind of morbid, but it's kind of true. It's something like, uh, everybody has adequate reason to kill themselves. That's that idea. There, there's enough suffering to go around for everybody. So playing victim to that suffering, to that inevitable suffering, isn't going to actually help you overcome it or survive it. I mean, again, there's an example of Black Lives Matter, right? They tell the black community to make their oppression and their alleged victimhood their identity as if that's going to somehow help them overcome it. Even if it is all true, even, let's just say hypothetically, everything they say, their entire narrative is true. How is telling them, the black community, that going to actually help them overcome it? It's not. All it's going to do is keep them weak and controlled, which maybe you could start to think that's kind of the goal of some of these radical Marxists, which maybe, I mean, they, they say they are. I mean, the founders of that organization say they're trained Marxists, so I wouldn't put it past them. And I definitely wouldn't pass put it past the people that are funding them. And what we have to do here is to recognize this, right? And how? I believe we have to start by with becoming honest about where our competence is lacking, first of all. Like I said before, admit your lack of ability, become the fool, right? Become the beginner, become the novice. And this is the thing I, I should mention. This. This, is the, this is how you can tell someone that's a tyrant versus someone that's actually worthy of the position of authority that they hold is the person that's worthy of the position of authority that they hold based off their competence, their ability, their ambition. That is going to be someone that's going to want to share that with as many people as possible. If someone just wants to hoard all their knowledge and hold all their, you know, alleged earned power to themselves, they probably didn't earn it. They're probably not worthy of it. That's probably someone that just wants to manipulate you and control you. Someone that's worthy of that is going to want to share it with as much, with as many as possible. So then we have to look to those that are worthy of that, identify them first, look to those who are doing what you want to do, but what you're not yet doing. So look to the master. It's that masterful relationship. This means refusing to become resentful of other success, but rather seeing success, the success of others as inspiration to make something of, of yourself. And I want to say a couple more things here before this is, podcast is over. This episode that I think is important that can't go without saying. It is always necessary to, to first bring all of these concepts down to the level of the individual. We live in a society that not only denigrates achievement, treats those who want to set just inequalities in the world by making something of themselves, by striving for something greater than the level at which they are currently operating at, as, like Peterson said, the actions of tyrants in training. We live in a society. We live in an ever-increasing society that, as a result, tells especially younger people like myself, like a lot of people probably listening, to become narcissists. 
as if repetitive navel gazing and gloating about yourself, about how amazing you allegedly are is the gateway to true success or happiness or fulfillment or contentment in life or achievement. Even we hear these phrases like just love yourself. You're enough. There's nothing wrong with you. You're perfect just the way you are. And the reason you aren't what you want to be or the reason you aren't quote happy is because you just don't love yourself enough. That's the reason. The amazing, perfect, almighty you. That's why your relationships don't work. That's why things aren't going your way in life is because you just don't love yourself enough. We've all heard the rhetoric. It's a lie. And there's one thing about that. Not only is that a mischaracterization of what true happiness is, true happiness is not a feeling. It's not a place that you get to eventually and arrive at. True happiness is takes a backseat to the pursuit of meaning, which is found in taking on responsibility. But it's a roadmap down a path that will get you absolutely nowhere. So I mentioned this in a previous episode, but I'm going to talk about this again, this example, because it's such a good example. David Goggins, I watched this video of him. He was talking about where we have to be in order to actually progress forward in life is we have to be honest about the current state we're in. If we suck at something, we have to admit that we suck. If we're not as smart as we want to be, we have to admit that. If we're not as in shape as we want to be, we have to admit that. Be honest about it. If our starting place is zero, then we have to admit that. But then once we admit that we have actually a place to go forward, if we lie to ourselves and tell us that we're perfect and we're enough and all this stuff, even though we clearly know we're not, the only place we have to go is backwards. And that's inevitably what happens. That's why the rampant depression and anxiety rates are so high is because I think largely because people are being fed this lie and they're actually believing it. And then they're living it out. And what do you think happens? Why do you think depression rates are so high? That's part of the reason. People aren't willing to explicitly understand and know these truths. It's easier to buy the lie because it doesn't take any work to buy that lie. It means you don't have any work to do. Everything that's wrong with your life is somebody else's problem. Narcissistic self-love is the ultimate cop-out to avoid ambitious responsibility. It's harmful not only to yourself, but for those around you. It's lazy. It's bankrupt morally, and it feeds you the lie that you have what it takes without actually putting in any work. We all like to make excuses. It's easy. I do this too. Why our lives suck and in turn blame everybody else, blame society, play victim, blame our environment, like the ideologues I mentioned before love to do. And again, that's why I mentioned these political systems like communism and Marx and blah, blah, blah. Sounds repetitive, but the reason I keep mentioning it is because of this concept. Because those systems of belief teach us a lot about human nature, which is what this podcast is about. And those systems of belief belief lie to us about the basics of human nature. They tell us that everything is somebody else's fault. They feed us with resentment, and they tell us to blame our environment instead of look inwardly and figure out what's wrong with us, be honest about our current state, and take on the responsibility necessary to progress forward. They don't want people to do that because the people pushing these systems want power and unearned power. They're tyrants. And the best stop or the best blockade against these kinds of tyrants are people that actually take on responsibility. So that's why they feed us this. 
And only, and this is important to know, only those who are absolutely naive or seek to manipulate you would tell you to take on that sort of twisted, false, selfish virtue, the narcissistic, narcissistic self-love I'm talking about. Most people are naive about it, though. Most people are. Most people grew up in a system, in an education system, in a society, in a culture, whatever you want to call it, that pushes this as if it is actually virtuous, and they're very good at selling it. And most people... There's a lot of people that believe it, which is the reason I'm even bringing this up in the first place. If nobody believed it, I wouldn't talk about it. I wouldn't address it. But So most people are that. And for those people, I just I, I view them as where a lot of people, including myself, were at one point. So I, I, there's no bad feelings. It's just a matter of being honest with yourself and educating yourself, which is, again, one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast. So people that might be falling for these lies might actually start to contemplate these things for themselves and hopefully do something about it. So most people are naive about naive about it in that way. But those in positions of power, the people doing the tricking for the people being tricked, or those seeking positions of unearned power more accurately, as many influencers, especially in government and as we see today, tell us to who tell us to embody these philosophies, they just want to control you. That's it. That's the motive. What else can the motive possibly be? So what do we do about it? I think the obvious one is take on responsibility necessary for getting past that pitiful state we will inevitably be in if we succumb to that type of narcissism that only denigrates the achievements of others and yourself. All it does is you're just telling yourself that you don't have what it takes at the end of the day, which is a lie. There's nothing useful about telling yourself that. And you also do that for others. We are our own problem at the end of the day. Stop blaming others. Stop falsely looking to yourself, hoping to grant some sort of unearned badge of honor to your present state of being that refuses to sacrifice your own comfort for what you could be if you only took on some accountability. If you're only honest about where you're at. If you only made problems your own. If you want something, you have to earn it and earn it honestly. If we want, if we tell ourselves we earned something that we did not, that we did not merit, we're bound to become the type of selfish, instant gratification addicted tyrants that Jordan Peterson warns about in this book. Here's some, this is important. This is kind of a closing thought for the day, for this episode. This is not selfish. These ideas of taking on an ambitious responsibility it might sound selfish, but the reason it's not selfish is because what happens when we get our act together? What's the result? We become someone who can straighten out the problems around us that involve others. Again, that's a difference between a tyrant. A tyrant wants authority for selfish reasons. A true person who seeks competence honestly does so so that they can give to others and help others achieve the same. It's not selfish. That's the true motive of, of an ambitious strive for merit and competence of genuine creative achievement, as Jordan Peterson says. And society will collapse if that is not properly upheld as a necessary virtue. And I think that's just becoming more and more obvious as these past couple of years go on. Narcissism, false achievement, empty virtues that trade hedonistic fleeting pleasure for long-term worth that is about more 
then your own feelings and pleasures is everywhere. Just watch the Grammys from like a day or two ago. You will see exactly what I'm talking about on full display for the entire world marketed to families and kids. Do not denigrate creative achievements. The title of this chapter or worse yet lie to ourselves about the desperate need of pursuing ambitious achievements ourselves. There's the old saying, and I said this at the beginning of the episode, be the change you want to see in the world. It's a cliche. It's kind of a dumb overused saying, but it's true. And in order to properly be the change we want to see in the world, we must first be honest with ourselves about how we are not. Not lie to ourselves and outsource even our own personal problems to everything and everyone around us. I'm going to end this quote by Jordan Peterson. He says, Victory is one of its most victory in one of its most primary and socially important aspects is the overcoming of obstacles for the broader public good. Someone who is sophisticated, someone who is sophisticated as a winner wins in a manner that improves the game itself for all the players. To adopt the attitude of willful blind cynicism about this or to deny outright that it is true is to position yourself, perhaps purposely, again, because that's easier to do, and maybe if you're someone that leans towards or is tempted by that tyrannical kind of power-hungry aim that's might help you in that goal. As people have many dark motives, as Jordan Peterson says, as an, as an enemy of the practical ameliating of suffering itself. I can... And he says, I can think of a few more sadistic attitudes. So it's the idea of refusing to be ambitious and to strive for something and to take responsibility for yourself. You are only aiding in the suffering of others. Why would you want to do that? What kind of person would want to do that? I think most people have a genuine good. I mean, I think human nature is complex and confusing, but I think everyone at least knows in their heart, in their conscience, what is right and what is wrong. And you know, when you're not taking on enough responsibility, you can feel it and you can feel the effect it not only has on yourself, but others around you. That's not a good feeling. So just pragmatically, what's the use? So that's the simple application there. This, if you've listened to Jordan's episode, uh, lectures or read his books, this is not a new concept, but he goes over this again a little bit in this book. Uh, worth talking about, worth making an episode about this stuff can't be emphasized enough. And if this is all new to you, these concepts, great. Glad you listened. My, I'm going to be continually going through this book for the next few episodes. And I'm going to take a break during one of these episodes and talk about, this is something that's kind of personal to me that I've been thinking about and reading about the last few days. And I was talking to some friends about it is the idea of how we can use things like even therapy as a cop-out for taking on this sort of responsibility that I'm talking about. We can try to outsource our problems to somebody else, to even strangers, while we refuse to actually put that into action. And then we have a lot of therapists out there today that I've read about, I've experienced myself. My dad has been in these fields and in education and this kind of thing. And I've heard stories from him who use that. They're like these politicians that I mentioned before who make a living off of there being problems. So why would they want to solve the problems? Because if they solve the problems, they're going to be out of a job. There's a lot of those people out there too. You have to be mindful of that. If you're seeking something like therapy and you can't use it as a cop-out to not put this stuff into action, which a lot of people do. 
And I see a lot of people doing it. I've done that. I've done that in the past. So that's going to be an episode coming up. I'm going to go to more detail about that, but thank you guys so much for listening. Again, subscribe, like, do whatever you got to do. This will be on YouTube, uh, Apple podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts and everything. So thank you guys for listening to the gulag.